0: Happy Tuesday night, everybody. Welcome into another edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday. nights. I am Mike Yuva, intern Joe, is off because, well, it's spring break. So we're also going to give the intern a week off as he is back home to visit his family. But you know what? There's a lot to get into. A lot to get into. We're just a week away until spring football starts up for South Carolina. Last week on this show, we had plenty to talk about in terms of looking ahead to spring football. We also wanted to know some of the guys that we'd be talking to on Thursday, what would they say? What would some of those transfers say? Well, since that last show, we heard from all nine of them. We heard from Shane Beamer himself as well. So there's a little bit more information that we can get into now as spring football, like I said, just a week away. We also had five Gamecocks out in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. We can recap that as well. And any other questions you guys have on this Tuesday night. Good to see people coming on in. We have the baseball game going on as we speak. South Carolina taking on the Citadel, but kind of like going to the movie theaters on any day of the week. Really, you can say on a Tuesday, though. Just because there's one movie going on doesn't mean that's the only movie being shown in the theater. So if you want your football dosage tonight, we got it covered for you. And we will do that for you all year long like we have here at Gamecock Central. Let's see. Were there any red shirts in basketball? Red shirts. So let's get into last week with the nine transfers speaking to the media. The biggest thing that I took away is just outside of the fact that Luke Day's winter workout had these guys huffing and puffing, I, I think I was really impressed. By some of the things that Trey Knox had to say about Dal Lockins, now of course he was his positional coach at Arkansas, as we all know. But one thing that he re- that that really stood out to me about what he said was, he's a good teacher. He's not just someone that knows what he's talking about; he can teach it. I can tell you from my days of playing. I can tell you from talking to some of the players since I got here in 2016. And not just Gamecocks, but I mean, I could go to other programs as well that I've covered over the years. And if, whatever the case may be, you can have a phenomenal coach. You can have a really good freaking coach. But if they don't know how to teach, if they don't know how to connect with the players, it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. And at times, I felt like that was the case with Marcus Satterfield. I felt like Sat knew what he was doing, but he wasn't able to connect with the players for one reason or another I'm not saying that's the case for everybody But that certainly was the case For a couple players who I've spoke to And I'm sure That there are more players In that locker room Or were in that locker room As Kevin gives us an update on baseball Appreciate it, Kev There were more players in that locker room That felt that way about Sat last year That at times It was less about Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing No, no, no He knew what he was doing. He just wasn't able to teach it in a manner in which those players needed to receive it. So to hear Trey Knox say that, number one, is something that's extremely underrated. Extremely underrated. We could talk about X's and O's. We could talk about recruiting. All that stuff's great. It's very important, right? That's the reason why Beamer brought him in here. But never undervalue some of the most basic things when it comes to coaching, which is just simply being a good teacher, being a good teacher. So to hear Trey Knox say that should not only excite you, because again, as we mentioned many, many times in this program, as we've mentioned many times on Gamecock Central, at the end of the day, what Dow Loggins does on Saturdays as a play caller, that's how he's going to be ultimately judged. All right. He can recruit, His tail off. He can help bring in high four stars, five stars. What he does as a play caller on Saturday is what he'll ultimately be judged for. But hearing Knox say that, again, very good. Nick Gargiulo, the transfer from Yale. In addition to some of the things I've heard from how he's looked in these winter workouts, which is he's finishing towards the top. When it comes to running for his position, which is a good sign of just being a leader, his mobility. This is a guy that I've mentioned before. I mentioned it today on Gamecock Central that he's the early candidate to replace Eric Douglas at center. And as much as we can sit here and joke around about how Eric Douglas was here for years, right? He was here for like freaking eight years. I remember, I think it was going into a sophomore year. He was an intern for me over at Watch Fox. That's how long ago it was. Being able to have someone come in and replace an Eric Douglas is not easy. It's not easy. It's a position that as much as we want to talk about the return of Spencer Rattler, as much as we want to talk about the return of Juice Wells, and that's great, it means absolutely nothing going from B to C in terms of QB to receiver if you can't go from A to B, which is just making things simple on the QB for the center. That relationship, that dynamic, As I asked Garjulo, he said that he's been able to build good chemistry with Rattler as well as the other quarterbacks. In the offensive line, he's getting along with those guys. Again, as we've mentioned, South Carolina is losing over 50%. Think about that. They're losing over 50% of their starting snaps on the offensive line compared to a year ago. Now, that does not mean, that doesn't mean they don't have Returners on the offensive line It just means that From a phrase we always use Proven depth standpoint You're losing proven depth But being able to have Douglas get over there Excuse me Being able to have Gargiulo come in there And replace a guy like Douglas It's going to be able to help It's going to be able to help free up guys like Vershawn Lee Trey Jones Make a focus on guard Right I mean, those are just two of the guys that I'm mentioning. But the point being is, if Gargiulo is able to come in there, that's going to take a huge, a huge burden off not just the offensive line, but play calling as a whole. Another guy that we heard from, Mario Anderson. Mario, I mean, it's incredible what, what a difference, shoot, five months can make. I mean, think about it. Five months ago, you have Marshawn Lloyd. You knew Christian Beale-Smith was going to be ineligible or, excuse me, out of eligibility once the year came to an end, right, with eligibility expiring after this past season. You also had Jaheim Bell playing running back a good bit towards the end of the stretch of the year. Well, what happens? Bell's gone. Christian Beale-Smith. I said out of eligibility. Marshawn Lloyd, he transfers. Shot Amos, he's gone. And now the news within the last week, Lavassier Carroll has retired for undisclosed medical reasons. So Mario comes in not only already in a thin running back room. Again, the phrase we use in unproven depth standpoint is a position. Right. They don't have the depth right now, the proven depth. It's Juju McDowell right now, right? And then you could have thrown in Lavasier scan. Okay, you know, we'll see what happens. And I know there's a little bit, there's other guys in that room, but that's the focus, right? Focus would be on Juju. Mario comes in. It's like, all right, see so what Mario's able to do. You have Dontavious Braswell coming out of high school. Who knows how long it's going to take him to be able to get up to speed before you're considering just throwing him out there. I mean, Juju picked things up quickly his freshman year, as we know. But then again, circumstances were a little bit different. You had a new coach, South Carolina. Sometimes those things work out a little different from a dynamic standpoint. But bottom line is, thin running back room. But because of the news with Lavassier this past week, Mario now goes into a situation where, okay, he's going to have an opportunity to compete for some, some playing time. He could be used as a valuable tool for USC. And as I've said many, many times before, look at a guy like Carlins Patel. You look at a guy like Nate Atkins. You can go down the list. Juice Wells, keep going down. Jason Brown. In Beamer's first two years, he has proven that he's not afraid to take a shot on an FCS player, on a Division II player, and be able to bring them up. And he will give you that opportunity. That's something that Platel and I, we've talked about ad nauseum. How when he got here, he was shocked. He was shocked how, not just Beamer, because obviously it works both ways, offense, defense, and Beamer's just overseeing everything as head coach. But Clayton White, Torian Gray, just the, the coaches on this staff as a whole, they didn't care where you came from. If you were able to get the job done, they were going to find a way to get you on the field. So with Mario, right, again, comes into the situation already where in the short sample size that we have with Beamer and this coaching staff, they have proven that they're not afraid. They're not afraid to take chances on guys that played, again, FCS, Division II, wherever they came from. But now he's in a situation where they're even more desperate for a running back because not that Lavoisier, I was was expecting him to be – the guy but you look at juju as much as i love juju as much as i enjoy watching juju and i'm sure a lot of you do too even though the game has shifted and you're not seeing guys get 30 35 40 carries a game there's always gonna be outliers across the country right it's always gonna be outliers but in terms of breaking it down averaging i mean come on but even with that being said are we expecting Juju to touch the ball 20 times a game? Let me take that back. Are we expecting Juju to run the ball 20 times a game? He might get some touches in the passing game. Three, four, five receptions a game. So if you want to say touches, you could say 20, okay. But 20 carries? No. Mario, his stock right now, if this we're, – we're talking about stocks, Mario, Nick Gargiulo, I said Trey Knox, but Mario and Gargiulo, those are the two I'd buy a lot of stock in right now. A lot of stock, especially when we're talking about transfers. Mario's going to have his opportunity. Mario's not just going to have his opportunity, but he's going to have a golden opportunity because, again, room's thin. And Dontavious, he's going to have an advantage over him. Can he make the most out of it now, though? Can he make the most out of it? Because at some point, Dontavius will catch up. And will Mario have took a step for- forward with that opportunity that he's being given? I think Mario can do that. And as I've mentioned before, Nate Atkins, Carlin's Patel, he doesn't have to go out here and be this all-conference guy to be a success. All right, Juice comes in. We know what Juice was able to do last year. Second in the conference in receiving yards. We understand that. No question about it. And that's not to say that Mario can't be better than what I'm trying to hint at here, but he doesn't need to be put on a pedestal where it's like he has to be that because of what the room's looking like right now. Mm -mm. Just go out there and do what they need you to do just go out there and do Jason, you know, who's going to carry the ball fourth and two right now without seeing spring ball right now, which is tough, right? Cause we don't know what Mario's going to look like once he gets out there and he's going up against guys that are a little bit faster. I, I had a chance to cover Newberry for a couple of years. They have some dudes. They have some dudes. There's no question about it. And I know there's guys in here, girls listening, and you know that the, the caliber of talent at Newberry, is it the same as the sec? Certainly not. Certainly not. But as a former D2 guy, I can tell you that D2 speed is different from the D2 speed I saw most of the time, week in and week out. I saw some good talent. I saw some good speed. The speed in that conference is a little bit faster. I think Mario's going to adjust just fine. I think what it comes down to is, and the good thing from him, for him is, just like the rest of the running backs in that room and just like the offense as a whole, they're going to be walking in to a completely different system on offense. Completely different system. There's going to be things that at the end of the day, I mean, like when you're talking about a passing tree, right? There's only, there's only, you know, 10 different routes. you could run if you want to throw the zero in there too. So when you go to passing tree, the, the terminology will change. The language will change, but at the end of the day, there's only so much that you can do. If Mario can pick that up, He's going to be just fine. At the end of the day, it's just playing football. At the end of the day, it's just playing ball. How quickly can he pick up on the terminology so that he's able to go out there and he's not going to have to think that he can just go out there and just play? Because for some guys, when they come in here, they have an opportunity to take advantage of spring football. Some guys don't when they transfer in. And they have to wait until August. He's going to have a chance to be able to come out there, and he's going to be able to pick up the playbook, hopefully quickly. But if there is that learning curve, if he hits that point where there's a little bit of a speed bump, don't panic. He has all summer. He's going to have his chance, though, to be able to pick up on things a little bit quicker, though, in comparison to, like I said, waiting until August gonna take a chance to look at some of these questions here posting one of these links out though for the show appreciate you guys watching if you're just tuning in intern joe he's enjoying spring break we're not going to take the college kid away from his enjoyment this week gc live talking tuesday nights we put this quick tweet out here get more people on in here but we appreciate everyone that is listening here and we will get into your questions because there looks like there is a good amount of it how we doing granny reese long time no talk long time supporter of watch fox that's how i got to know granny appreciate you granny all right now that that's taken care of we'll kind of just go through some of these some of these might kind of be all over the map here Rush just keeps clearing every hurdle. He's setting himself up nicely. Darius Rush did a phenomenal job at the Combine. Phenomenal job at the Combine. I do want to put some of the Combine talk at the end, um, but I can tell you this from the moment that Darius arrived at South Carolina, going from wide receiver to defensive back, being a special team's just grinder. He's everything, everything that's right with the way a player handles adversity. And it's just been incredible just to watch him grow. And he's a guy that has now helped his draft stock go up to a point where he could be a day two guy. He could be getting drafted in the third round and obviously have an opportunity to do a little bit more if he wants at Pro Day, which is next Monday. So again, we'll get into that rush one of five Gamecocks that took part in Pro Day last week. I should say the Combine Pro Day coming up next week at South Carolina. Zachary says, totally agree with you, Mike. There was a disconnect between SAT and the players. There was a disconnect to a point, especially the first year. Again, when you get information from people that are close with a program or a player himself talks to you, you always have to... Vet your sources, right? Try to figure out if it's coming from a player, if it's coming from someone that's close with the program, what's their connection with player X, Y, Z, whatever the case may be. Because sometimes you get disgruntled players. Sometimes you get disgruntled members of an organization. But what I can tell you is, from the people that I spoke with, especially that first year, there was a lot of confusion, especially up front with the blocking scheme. And that frustration led to the results that we saw those first couple games where it was just what the hell's going on each week why aren't they able to build off of any type of success they had from the week prior and as i've mentioned before trying to have like a you know like a a circle right like a hole and you have like a rectangular block and you're just trying to fit it in that circle it's just not working it's just not working that's the best way to describe some of the confusion and some of the frustration from year one with Satterfield. And as we saw, even in year one, when USC was able to get things going, you could see what Sat was trying to do. And then in year two, and I know people have their tinfoil hats on, oh, I'm not going to believe Sat called this and that. Fine, have at it. You feel like you're a big person because it's good, good for you. I mean, what more do you need? Do you need someone actually filming Sat holding a play sheet? Sad people out there. But with that being said, Sat was able to do things last year that were able to that they were able to get going and they was able to work. And the reason being is because he did simplify it. I mean, there's really nothing crazy to it. He simplified not just the play calling, but he simplified his teachings and how he spoke to players. Something that he struggled with. In year one. So, again, if you're just joining us, one of the comments that I brought up was the comment that Knox brought up on last Thursday. We had a chance to speak with nine of USC's newest players via the transfer portal, and Knox mentioned that having the opportunity to be coached by Dal Loggins over in Arkansas, that Loggins is a phenomenal teacher. Again, you could have great coaches. Great coaches. I mean, I've been around some good coaches. I've been coached by good coaches, whether it be high school, college, whatever the case may be. There's a difference, though, when a coach just doesn't know how to connect with his players. They don't know how to explain it. I mean, I've worked with people. I've worked for people who are great bosses. They don't know how to communicate with people. And that can be frustrating. And that can lead to a disconnect. So when I think about this situation with Dow Loggins and the stuff that Knox brought up, because again, ultimately Loggins is going to be judged for what he does on Saturdays as a play caller. The recruiting, the teaching, that's all great. It's all part of it. But what he does on Saturday. So we could talk about this in stocking season, right? If he's able to have those relationships with players, if he's able to build that type of chemistry, which going back to another quote that we heard just a couple of weeks ago, right here in Gamecock Central, in an exclusive with Elshon Jeffrey, who had an opportunity to be coached by Dow. Elshon told me that he is very direct with players. He's not going to sugarcoat it. He's not going to BS you. If you want something done a certain way, if you're not doing it a certain way, he's going to tell you. To me, that's the best way to be coached. All right. And we could sit here and go through this whole freaking society thing and coddling players and soft society. Some guys, you need to coach them differently, and that's not even a this-generation deal. That's something that's been going on for years, right? Uh, Belichick's talked about it before. Doesn't matter if he was coaching Lawrence Taylor or someone else. I mean, the way he coached Lawrence is going to be a little bit different. You're not going to be able to treat every player the same exact way. Just like companies, you're not always going to treat every employee the same exact way. It's just not how it works. It's not, because if you do it that way, your company is going to sink quickly. And in this case, the company is USC football's offense. Kevin, what Knox said about Sellers is eye-opening. Eye-popping to go along with the squat numbers. Yeah, what Sellers did from a squat standpoint, You don't know what Kevin's talking about. I want to make sure I have the exact numbers up here. 540 pounds is what Sellers was able to squat. They do their testing, max results. See if I can get that video up here for those of you that don't know what we're talking about. This was from this past week. Try to pull this up here. Squat max today. So this is the video that Kevin was referring to. And sellers squatted 540 pounds. Now you might ask why 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 is that important for a quarterback? Squat Max today. Right. Why is that important for a quarterback to squat that much? Is it even necessary? Is it even needed? Okay? I get that. But at the same time, too, I like my QB when, the, when he's tough. I like when my quarterback's got a little popping power to him, especially when it comes from the legs, right? So you think of just this past year with the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts and what he was able to do with Philly, right? Those short-yarded situations outside of the rugby scrum style that offensive of uh the the, the play calling whatever just the formation you just have all the guys kind of just pushing forward outside of having that you have a quarterback that just absolutely squats the freaking moon doesn't hurt doesn't hurt um and i think the other thing that really stood out to me more than just the fact that sellers was able to squat that much is just the jump i think it was like 300 something 310 He goes up 200-something pounds in a a short period of time, what, January to just last week. I think that speaks volumes of not just Luke Day's workout program, but how he attacked it, Sellers. And we've seen that before, not just with Sellers, but other players. But that other quote that you're talking about with Knox, Kevin, yeah, I think he said he has the the best arm he's seen, strongest arm, something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Um, And just the way he flicks it. That room, and I've said this before, but to compare it to something that we've seen, and I know Gamecock fans get upset sometimes when I bring Clemson into it, but I think it's a good comparison of what you would like to see. What Clemson's been able to do over the last decade, they've been able to build up a factory when it comes to certain positions, and quarterback's one of them. And with South Carolina, what they're doing right now, when you look at that quarterback room, now in comparison to say what the last five six years how deep has it really been right i mean think back a couple years ago beamer's first year musical cheers i don't need to explain that to south carolina that you're one play away from getting hurt because gamecock fans know that better than anybody because of that 2021 season four different starting quarterbacks of course that fourth one being to carry on Joyner and the Dukes-Mayo and that was by choice. But the other three, you had injuries at one point or the other of the season with them. So to have a room that's that deep, and again, going back to our phrase, there's some unproven depth there, no question about it, sellers being one of them. If you're able to get to a position where you're feeling good, and God forbid something happens with QB1 or QB2, whatever the case may be, you feel confident that you can insert, you know, the third string quarterback here to two or two up to one, whatever the case may be. And you pray to God those, those situations never happen. But outside of that, which is the obvious, right? You're also preparing for the future. And at some point, yes, not just the quarterback room, but any positional group when you're able to develop that much talent of course guys might transfer it along the way again it's happened at clemson it's happened at other schools alabama jalen hurts his situation right he goes to oklahoma it happens in college football but the point being is that was a very very powerful endorsement from knox to say that um and I think it's one that Gamecock fans should enjoy. Missed that part. What did he say about sellers? And Ryan is catching up. That's what he was talking about. Brent says, Period. And they are much more appreciative and hungry. Coach Beamer is the man. No question. Talking about, I'm assuming, the part where I was talking about the transfers coming in here. And again, when I asked Beamer about that, the FCS, the Division II guys, because. I know it's a small sample size, but he's done a really good job on that. Really good job. And just like any transfer, there'll be misses along the way. I wouldn't say USC has missed terribly on any of these transfers. I mean, there's been injuries, right? Dawkins, he's banged up. Um, Devonne Reed, he got injured last year. I mean, it, it's... You're never going to bat 1,000, but at the same time, too, there's going to be things that you just can't control. Guys got to stay healthy, right? And um, it's part of the game, unfortunately. Ryan again says, Kevin, what Knox said is what I'm asking about. Yep, that's what we were talking about, Ryan. Some of those things that he was talking about with uh, how he was impressed by Kevin Shears, what he was impressed with Sellers. Brent Beamer has given both those OCs very nice positions to be successful. I'm excited to see what Loggins does with the talent. So I brought this up on Gamecock Central the other day, and I'm not trying to be the wet blanket in the room, but I think it's because it goes down to, you know, what uh, Mikel saying. Do you think we can win the SEC this year? I don't, Um, and that's not to say that this team isn't getting better, but we also have to realize, look, as good as South Carolina has looked over the last couple of years, and they're getting better and making strides, Georgia is light years ahead of everybody else. And that's not to say South Carolina can't start to close that gap. Right? Georgia's going to be losing guys just like every team's losing players. Coaches leave, whatever the case may be. But in order to close that gap, like we even saw with Clemson, it just doesn't happen overnight. Obviously, Clemson, they've gone in a different direction, at least last year, in the last two years, in comparison to where Georgia has been in the last two years, being the two-time defending national champs right now. So what I would say to that is what USC needs to do is, number one, just worry about what's on your plate. Obviously, you'll have an opportunity to go into Athens and play those two-time defending national champ Bulldogs early in the season. And this goes back to my point with Brent. And Another reason why I am skeptical as to why I don't believe USC can win the SEC East this year. There's going to be growing pains early on in the season with the shift over to OC. I don't expect them to go out and it's not even the non-conference game. I'm talking about what you get in the conference play and put up 30, 40 points. I think there's gonna be some people that hope to see that. And I'd love to be proven wrong with that. I just think there's going to be a learning curve. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that again, you have an offensive line, which yes, you have players coming back from last year, but as a unit, as a unit, these guys haven't worked with each other. There's going to be growing pains naturally. So the question now becomes what can Dow do? to alleviate some of those growing pains? Is it going back to the man blocking scheme and doing more man blocking in comparison to zone blocking, which we saw the past two years and how USC's offensive line struggled with it? Not just at times, but I felt like throughout the course of the two years that Satterfield was here. I mean, look, even go back to that Clemson game, especially that first half, Look how many times USC allowed guys just to come flying in untouched. And it's not just on the offensive line. Some of that can go back to Rattler. Some of that can go back on the tight end. Some of that can also go back in the running backs, missing blocking assignments. But there were times, and I just remember one play in particular, I think I tweeted about it. There were three, three offensive linemen going after one guy. And a guy came free, and I think that was actually the safety. When Rattler, I don't know if he – I can't remember. He was down. He threw it away. I I can't remember, but it was called a safety. I think you guys know what play I'm talking about. How quickly can they get past that? How quickly can they get past that? And while Tennessee, it's going to look different, you don't have Hooker, you don't have Jalen Hyatt, they're still a very talented team. I do believe – I do believe that South Carolina can finish ahead of Tennessee this year. I do believe they can finish ahead of Kentucky. They can beat Florida. I think they can do those things. I think they can finish second in the SEC East. And if you can get yourself in position, in that position, go back to Mikel's question, if you can get yourself in that spot, look, even if you can't beat Georgia early on of the year, or maybe you can, whatever the case may be, If you can get there, though, now you're giving yourself an opportunity. And then anything can happen, right? Injuries can happen to other teams. And, I mean, bottom line is you want to just be there. You want to be able to be in that spot before you start talking about that stuff. That's just my take on it. Chris says, are all our tight ends capable of run blocking or will some only be used in the passing game? I think when you look at this tight end room, and I'm not going to include. I'm not going to include Nicholas Harbor quite yet, because I feel like it's unfair number one to him. But I also feel like we need to see how USC is going to use him. We can hit. We can sit here and speculate. I think the coaches they have an idea, but I don't think they truly, truly know how they want to use him. And I think two of the reasons being is one. You want to get him out there first, right? You want to see how he looks like in your offense. How is he able to pick up concepts, playbook, all that kind of stuff, right? That's number one. Number two, number two is what do these guys look like, the guys that are currently on campus? Because obviously Nicholas isn't here yet, but what do they do this spring to make you feel good about? maybe skeptical about whatever the case may be because that's also going to help answer questions as to what you need in the fall right we've talked about it before if south carolina struggles and again i know it's not just what you do at spring in spring football but it's going to give you a better idea as to what your strengths and weaknesses are heading into fall camp if south carolina struggles with blocking if South Carolina is not able to do certain things from the tight end position, or maybe the receivers just aren't able to get releases or the running backs are struggling with blocking. You might see two tight end sets. It feels like they're going to be doing a lot of two tight end sets, even if that's not necessarily the case because they have the bodies to do it. I think Chris, to answer your question, I think the tight ends they've brought in here, I think they're all capable of being dual threat. Um, is how I look at it. But I also think there's some guys that you might not necessarily need this year as much. Or if you see them, they could be blockers. Um, Nick Elsness is a guy that I feel like USC will use more as a blocking tight end. Uh, I, I feel like if I had to compare him to what we might see with him this year, I could see kind of that Nick Muse role where. You're blocking more than anything, and I and I know Nick. His senior year, they used him a little bit more in the passing game, but Nick mainly was a blocker. Nick was mainly a blocker in a just a special teams grinder, and that's what I expect Elk, Elksness to do. Uh, he made the joke the other day that he knows he's not Kyle Pitts. He came in there to Florida. Kyle Pitts was he's like, I know I'm not Kyle Pitts, so uh, I, I think Trey Knox. I think, obviously, with his background, being a former wide receiver, or at least recruited as a receiver at Arkansas, actually was in the same room. He was recruited by Justin Stepp when Justin was still over at Arkansas. He has that wide receiver mindset. And as he told us last Thursday, he expects South Carolina, South Carolina to, u- to use him as a pass catcher more than how well Arkansas took advantage of that. Brent says, how did Jalen Brooks finish up on the combine, uh, I, I know one thing that will stand out to people will be how he ran his 40, uh, 469 to 47. I'm not 100% sure if he'll run another 40 this upcoming week. And next week, excuse me, on Monday, when South Carolina holds their pro day at USC, I will look into that because I think a lot of these guys they have the hope that they'll just run in Indy and then they're not going to have to. Worry about some of that stuff again. And again, it's not just the 40, it could be short shuttle, uh, broad jump, whatever the case may be. I know that some of the guys didn't do short shuttle, I know some of the guys didn't do broad jump, I know some of the guys didn't do vertical, that they're going to do it back at South Carolina. So, a guy like Brooks, maybe he runs the 40, but at the same time, too, and this is just my opinion the reason why it's important for Brooks is more so because of special teams. Now he's not out there on pads. None of these guys are out there on pads. That's why I think the combine, honestly, as we, as the years pass on, some of this stuff, it's just like, what are we doing? I mean, there was an offensive lineman. I think he was from Southern Cal. Don't quote me on that, but there was an offensive lineman that was running the 40 and he tore. It was his ACL. Um, and he went out there and he, he benched, I think it was like 38, 38 reps. I think it was 39 and they took one away. So it was 38 of uh, 225. What in the blue hell, to quote The Rock, what in the blue hell? Why do we need an offensive lineman running 40 freaking yards down the field? Why? What are we doing? Because years ago... Paul Brown wanted to figure out who he should put on special teams in the average hang time for a punt and a kickoff, more so punt, is over that 4.5 mark, 4.67. So he wanted to get an idea as to which players could cover that ground that quick. So that's why The 40-yard dash is a thing in football. It's an old-school measuring stick to find out who can play special teams more than anything. Because where else do you see guys running 40 yards in a straight freaking line? You don't. You don't. Uh, But with Jalen, going back to specifically talking about Jalen, I was impressed with some of the drills he did with the uh, ball skills. Uh, staying on the line and just being able to show off his hands. Because I think, look, end of the day, I think there were some people that were surprised that he got invited to the Combine. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jalen, not just as a football player, as a person. I think his story from being a Division II receiver to working his way here to South Carolina and not being able to play right away because the NCAA was holding up his eligibility. He takes to the field. He does some great things. And then comes back personal issues, away from the team after only a couple games. Then he comes back, makes a big impact. I felt like he was strong, uh, and then unfortunately he's not able to play in the bowl game. So all these things happen, and yet he's able to go to the combine. I think it just speaks to kind of his story as a whole, that nothing has come easy to him, and that he's always been dealt a hand that has been challenging, but he's found ways to overcome him and overcome it so i hope that jalen can make the most out of pro day at south carolina next monday and that he will be able to earn himself at least an opportunity to compete on special teams somewhere and then work his way up from special teams to playing wide receiver a couple more questions and then we will take a quick timeout before we pick things up on the other side jason says are we still going to bring in some transfer portal guys. That's what I'm assuming you mean from TP. I believe so. I believe so. Something to keep in mind the transfer portal, that second window for players to enter, will take place from May 1st to May 15th. So that time period, that time period, when you're looking at the, the academic school year, that will allow players to make decisions after spring ball. Because as we've mentioned on this program before in the past, after winter workouts, or even going into winter workouts before players go home for winter break, they sit down with their positional coach. They sit down with their coordinator, even the head coach, and you lay out kind of the expectations you have for yourself. And the coaches lay out the expectations they have for you going into the next season. And sometimes the vision that players have, it turns out to be a little bit different once they get out there on the field for the following year. For spring ball. And at that point, they realize, you know what? I'm going to go take my chances somewhere else and I'm going to enter the portal. So I do believe that there'll be players, not just at USC, across the country. It's going to happen everywhere. I feel like more, more often than not. You'll see players at USC enter the portal after spring ball. That is, I have a feeling it's going to happen. But that aside, I think USC will go after players in the portal. I would assume a position of need will be running back. If Mario Anderson's able to come out and just have an absolutely phenomenal spring, Juju McDowell looks great, right? I still think they're going to go after a running back. I just just feel like that's going to be one of the positions they're going to go after. So I expect them to go hit the portal and don't limit it to just running back. I, I feel like outside of QB, I feel like they'll hit the portal hard for practically any position healthy right now. Tight end run, yeah, we know that's pretty deep. Maybe that's another position I wouldn't hold my breath on. Um but I feel like for the most part defensive back that's a position position I could think of that USC might want to add some depth at. Um edge of course is another one that comes to mind, but I think um running back is the one, you know, if you want to make a wish list. Right? Going grocery shopping and you're looking in the portal. It's like, all right, where we go? Oh, running back. Here we go. That's the first one that comes to mind. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll pick things up on the other side. We got some more questions to answer when we'll also get into a little bit more combine talk from this past week and also look ahead to the combine coming up pro day at South Carolina. But first, got to make sure we're paying the bills here. And as you guys all know, tax season, it is upon us. Liberty Tax can make that process for you guys a hell of a lot easier. you can be able to overcome that tax anxiety by giving them a call at 803-462-5576. I'll tell you what, talking to so many people around this time of the year, it is amazing. It is amazing the difference by reaching out to a tax company to have them do the, your taxes, how much money you can save. I promise you. If you haven't done it before, you want to go online and do all these, no, no, no. Give Liberty Tax a call. they will be able to save you a couple bucks. Knock on wood. We hope so. Today's program is also brought to you by our longtime friend and supporter of GC Live. That is Clint Hammond over at the Mortgage Network. If you want to be buying a home right now, well, as you guys know, for the last couple months, it has not been easy, but... Clint can make that process a hell of a lot easier for you. He did that for former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. He also did it for our own Wes Mitchell, good friend of Wes. Give him a call at 803-576-4450 and let Clint Hammond know that Gamecock Central sent you there. All right, guys, want to pick some more things up on this side with some of the questions. I do want to get into this, though, before we keep going down the list because I mentioned about the – NFL Combine that took place this past weekend in Indy. Um, I, I feel like Darius Rush, out of all the guys, rose his draft. He brought his draft stock up higher than anyone else, and that's no disrespect to Cam Smith or any other Zach Pickens. Because I felt like the guys that were there for USC, I felt like they all they all did some good things. Um, Zach looked really, really, look really smooth. Uh, which isn't going to surprise a lot of people that have been following USC over the last couple of years, but he looked very smooth for a guy of that size. Very, very smooth. Um, Javon Gwen, he's just the guy that I feel like if a team takes a chance on him, he's going to be able to do a lot of good things for them. I think some teams are going to look at him and say, all right, you know, not the biggest guy, not the tallest guy in the world. He is a guy that just gets stuff done. Um, brings some speed as well in terms of his just his quickness. Uh, so that's another guy I would, I would keep an eye on. We mentioned Darius Rush, four three seven in the 40, 437. And I've been watching. I've been watching. I think it was Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl. He's been posting videos the last couple of days just the footwork from the Senior Bowl of Rush. It just speaks volumes. And I think the most amazing part about it is this. As we mentioned, Rush was playing receiver and then he moved over to defensive back. And I apologize, I'm a little under the weather tonight, so a little congested. Sorry for sounding like Snuffleupagus over here. But I think it just goes to show you that Torian Gray, the coach is here you can give credit to give credit to to the previous coaching staff but I think he's still raw and that's no disrespect against Torian Gray or Clayton White but I think being able to work on your skills here at South Carolina as a raw defensive back and then you have an opportunity to go play at the next level I think he, I think he's only going to get better. I truly do. I think he's only going to get better because he's still learning how to play the position. He's still learning how to play the position. Uh mentioned Zach Pickens. Zach again. <laughs> for a guy that size, I mean, he's what he 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 weighed in at 291. We're in a 489. 489. reps on the bench. Short shuttle, 4.62. Um, very impressed with with Zach. And I think he's a guy that can also go in that third, fourth round. Uh, Cam Smith. Cam, uh, of, of course, we know he had a phenomenal season. And as I've said many times before, he's a guy that his stock is higher than what I think some of these draft experts have him as. And the reason being is because he's so versatile. He can play that nickel position. That's something that, yes, you can teach. But it's not easy to, and you need someone that's willing to play that position. Cam's not only willing to play it, but he's freaking good at it, too. And as we've seen with college football just evolve over the years, in the NFL, you're, you're, you still see, I feel like more four, threes, but you see four, two, fives just because, again, the game's evolving. In the NFL, you're going to try to catch up to it at times because the way it's played in college, we see so many four two five defenses in college. And the reason being is just because guys are getting faster, but they have – I mean, they're big, but they're they are fast. Those tight ends, right? Tight ends can move. And obviously, if you want to go back to the Tony Gonzalez days, Mark Bavaro, um, Gronk, of course, Travis Kelsey, you know, nowadays. But being able to find someone that can play that nickel position, if you have that – um that hybrid but again it's more so that slot it's more so that slot receiver um but it's just the game has just changed so much it's changed so much and you really need someone that is versatile and can play that nickel spot uh some of the smartest professors are the worst at teach. no question about it no question third and one mm-hmm yep we're going down I know I'm trying to catch up to some of these comments from earlier. Jason says, "Mike, anything's possible, but we aren't there yet." Yeah, and look, it's not trying to be, it, it's it's not trying to be uh, a Debbie Downer here. Um, I I hope, I hope sooner rather than later that Beamer can can bring a championship, right? A conference championship, and continue to work your way up to the ultimate goal one day. But I'm optimistic that Beamer can be that guy. Now, the toughest part, as we know in all of sports, and Don Staley can tell you that with women's basketball, and I don't care what the sport is, is to be good consistently over a period of time. Now, obviously that level of success, Don Staley in women's basketball, is different right now than what the men's football program, say men's football, football program is looking like. But in order to get to that point, you need to climb those stairs. That's what Beamer and this coaching staff and this team has been doing the last couple of years. Heading into year three now. And even though they're not on that type of level in comparison to women's basketball, in order to get to that point, you have to work up those steps and not fall down two steps if you go up one. They've been able to go up steps. One, two. Don't go backwards now. Don't go backwards. Right? I mean, you look back to the Will Muschamp era. And although I feel like where Beamer and this coaching staff and this program is right now in comparison to year three when Muschamp was here, I feel like they're ahead of that. We saw that there was momentum that USC had after two seasons, but they weren't able to turn that into anything that ultimately led this program to taking that next giant step forward. Now, I feel like in terms of having a foundation for this program, The foundation is stronger for Beamer because they've done a phenomenal job with recruiting. They've done a phenomenal job with having players that are bought in to doing whatever they need to do for the team. And now when you're talking about taking that next step from year two to year three, you have guys that wanted to come back for another year. And I get it, all right, the transfer rules, I get Juice Wells could have tested the waters of the NFL. Spencer Rattler could have tested the waters of the NFL. They didn't have to come back here. There's other guys here. If they wanted to go somewhere else, they could. They want to be here. There's going to be guys that enter the portal every year. So don't give me that. Okay? Go look at the list of how many players, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. I mean, just go down the list. you may have been one of the schools that actually had less transfers in South Carolina, but you get what I'm saying. There's a lot of schools though throughout the country that have guys that are entering the portal left and right, because that's just the new world of college football that we're in. RL Smith, I like his size 6'3, 215 to the, to the spring weigh-ins. I believe uh, we were talking about sellers. J Dub, what's the chance of South Carolina getting some more commits? I have Dante Reno's high school. Um, so Reno just recently transferred from one Connecticut private school to another, and I remember doing this story, and I talked to Reno directly, and the reason why he was doing that, if some of you guys aren't familiar, I'm sure some of you are, so appreciate your patience. The reason he did that is because of the school that he was currently at, he wouldn't have been allowed to enroll early into South Carolina next January. If he had stayed at that school. So by transferring schools, it's going to allow him to. So he enro- he enrolled, I want to say it was goodness, first week, second week of February um, into Chester Academy, which is in Chester, Connecticut. And the school that he was previously at was also in Connecticut, Windsor, Connecticut, at Loomis Chafee. So, the school that he's going to, that he's at right now, I should say, because he did this move about, what, a month ago. They have two talented, talented players that also left the school that he was was previously at, Loomis Chafee. And they have entered, um, I guess you could say a high school portal, if you will. And they went on over to join him. Um, And they're both brothers. Jacob Smith. And Gerard Smith. Edge, D. Lyman, both four stars. Um, I don't think South Carolina, unfortunately, has a chance to, to land them. It looks like Notre Dame is the favorites right now, according to the recruiting prediction machine. At on three, Notre Dame has the edge for both the players. Shocking, huh? You know, you have twins. Shocking, they're the same. Um, at just around 83% and Kentucky at 3.6. South Carolina, at least as far as the recruiting prediction machine that I'm looking at for Jacob Smith. Now I'll look at Gerard, but I'm sure that's very similar. Yeah, South Carolina, nowhere in the mix um, for that. So those are the two most talented players at that school with Dante. Uh, I can tell you that he'll be very, very busy, very busy with recruiting, um, obviously with sellers coming here. I'm sure there's another added chip on his shoulder. But at the same time, too, I would not worry one bit about him going to a different school because Sellers is here now. Um, Reno is a competitor. He wants to be at South Carolina. He wouldn't have committed to South Carolina as early as he did if he was afraid of competition. And being the son of a football coach, the head football coach of Yale at that, someone that understands recruiting, Very, very well for his age. He knew what he was getting himself into when he recruited early. Now, I can tell you that there's schools that are recruiting him. One school in particular, it's not going to shock people. I don't know if communication has stopped altogether, but I know around the time when Marcus Satterfield left South Carolina, he was trying to get uh, Reno to come with him. He wanted Reno to flip his commitment. So Reno is still thousand percent committed to south carolina and i would expect him to be hitting the recruiting trails for a high school kid as hard as he can uh in the next coming weeks but he's still doing a very good job right now from everything we've been told rl smith my bad talking about hurt 600 pounds at oklahoma yeah that was the number he was throwing around some big weight big red good to see a big red i've never understood the frustration of looking at what's working with other programs, take what works for your program and hit the ground running. No question about it. Again, and I don't know if this was specific about Satterfield, um, but I think it's important to understand what can work for you, right? I mean, think about it. How many times are you, if, if you're working at one place for a job and you go to another place, just because you did, did things a certain way doesn't mean that's how they do things over there. All right, it's going to work at some places, some places it's not. And some coaches, I mean, you know, another Patriot tie-in. You look at a lot of the guys that have coached under Belichick. They go to these other places and they try to do things that replicate Belichick. Just be you. Just be you and make it work with the guys that you have. Don't try to force things and be something you're not. J-Dub, I believe I've seen three to four guys who were four stars behind their name. There are. Um, and we will have more recruiting talk next week um, because once we get into next week, things will pick up just a little bit in terms of just things to share uh, because now we can start talking about, OK, who might be here for the spring game and all that kind of stuff. So we can talk about that next couple of weeks. Jason, what are we going to do? We have Sellers, Reno, Rattler come, could come back. So I don't expect Rattler. I think Rattler after this season, he's done um, Sellers in Reno. Sellers, of course, will have the advantage because he will have a full year ahead of Reno. Um, But the beauty with Reno is he's going to be enrolling in January of next year. So that will give Reno an opportunity to get caught up. And like I was saying before, kind of comparing it to Clemson, Clemson has done a very good job of being able to create competition in that QB room. And if you're South Carolina, that's what you want. You want competition like that. You want to be able to feel good knowing, okay, look, You know, someone goes down, something happens, whatever the case may be, building depth. You want to be able to have a QB room that's so deep that you don't have to worry about any of those possibilities. Something happens, you're going to be able to combat it in some shape, way or form. So, um, Reno's going to come in here. He's going to be competitive. No question about it. And again, sorry with the allergies, scratching my nose and scratchy voice tonight, um, Carino's going to come in here, and he's going to be ready to go. He's going to be ready to go, and Sellers will have a full year on him. No question about that, but no, I, I don't expect Rattler to come back. R.L. Smith, we're going to keep the best ones if we can. No question. I mean, guys, we're onto the portal, and it's not just the quarterback conversation. We're talking about any position. It will just happen. I mean, it's college football, and that's just where we are these days. Um, over the hour, Mark, but I'm going to try to hit everyone's questions before we sign on out. J Dub, jason if spencer comes back yeah i don't expect that to happen uh j diz south carolina beats unc Eight plus wins is doable if we lose probably go eight wins and under i haven't looked at the schedule quite yet in terms of okay this will be a win that will be a loss or you know kind of just doing what we do either as fans or in the media and we kind of just go down the list um Without looking at it, I think that eight to nine win mark in the regular season, that's kind of what I'm eyeing. That's not to say that they can't uh, be better than that, but strictly speaking about the regular season, that's kind of what I'm expecting. You know, nine wins, nine plus wins. Um, I, I just think, again, how quickly can this offense, how quickly can this offense, figure things out where they don't put themselves in a situation where, like you mentioned, that UNC game, I don't like swing game, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. it's. I give teams credit. I know they schedule these games now years, sometimes decades in advance, it feels like. Uh, but I give USC credit for having the friggin' balls to go out there and play a power five school week one instead of playing a frigging JV team. It's tough. To do something like that, knowing that, you know, obviously not from a national championship standpoint, not to be a wet blanket for anyone that has those dreams or going to Vegas and betting on the Gamecocks, have at it. But it obviously can alter a season pretty early if you're not able to come bounce back from it. But I would look at that game and say, hey, look, they're able to go out there regardless of how pretty the game is itself. If you get a win, like you mentioned, Jay Diz, That's a non-conference game, but as we all know, that's not an easy one. I mean, that's a team right there that could be playing in the conference championship next year in the ACC. And then you got to play Clemson at the end of the year. Another team could be in the conference champion, right? So um, I give USC credit. USC credit not backing down from a Power 5 team. Big Red, do we know if the guys who were suspended from the team will be able to rejoin by next season, if at all? So Shane Beamer said last Thursday that at this time they are not with the team. They're still suspended from the team did not address any of them by name, but uh, he said all three are still suspended, not with the team and that he doesn't anticipate them rejoining the team anytime soon. Now, what does soon mean is soon meaning the spring is soon meaning August is soon meaning, you know, what were we talking about here? The way I look at it, is it's truly going to be a day-by-day thing. And I'm not saying day-by-day by by saying, all right, next week or the week after, they're going to be back with the team. I think they're going to have to deal with some things, how the school's going to handle all of it, right? So I don't feel like it's going to be a rushed process. It's going to take some time. If any of them were to be back, I can't see it happening until fall camp. So I don't expect any of these guys to be back with the team this spring. Uh, Again, that is just a gut feeling based on the things that we've been able to gather as well as what Shane Beamer said last Thursday as far as those three players are concerned. Carolina goes, Don Staley has built the women's basketball version of what Alabama football is. Yeah, I mean, and we can look at it from a women's basketball standpoint, right? Tennessee women's basketball for years with Pat Summit, uh, Gina Warriama with UConn. I mean, that's just a woman's basketball comparison and no disrespect to Gino, no disrespect to Pat, what those two were able to do with their programs. Obviously Don has a ways to go and that's not trying to get the fans upset, but I think anyone that has followed women's basketball for a long period of time, uh, even if you want to throw Don, that what should have been, I think a lot of us feel that way, uh, what should have been Don's third, which would have been her second title, the COVID year. Don has three. You want to say that? Go at it. That's fine. But she still has a long ways to go before talking about those two. Um, And I know from talking to people that close to Don, she has the utmost respect for both, but she really, really has the utmost respect for Pat Summit. So to even put her name in the same conversation as Pat, I know for Don, she does not take that lightly and I would be sure she would be the first to tell you she has some work to do in order to get up to a level like that. Um, Wrapping things up, if you guys have any more questions, fire away. But if not, this is what I will say as we come to a close here on this March 7th edition of Talking Tuesday Nights. Gamecock football spring practices will begin on Tuesday, March 14th. Trying to bring up the schedule here because USC just sent it out the other day. Give you guys kind of an idea of what it's going to look like. So, pro day for USC, that will take place at noon on Monday. Okay, that will take place at noon on Monday. Um, public viewing all spring practices are closed to the general public with the exception of the Garnet Black spring game. So to answer that question, I know a lot of people feels like that's a question that gets brought up at least the last couple of years post-COVID because Beamer had talked about hopefully being able to do that in the near future. It's not happening this year. Um, not going to happen this year. It didn't happen, obviously, the last two years, but no soup for you. Uh, Tuesday, that will be the first practice. Practice will be at 920. It will be open to the media, and then Beamer will be speaking at 1230 on that day. So we will have video. Highlights for you. We will have updates um, so that we can all sit here and talk about how amazing uh, Rattlers looking in just shorts and a helmet, or wow, did you see Sellers throw the ball 60 yards and no shoulder pads? And we can do all this talking, you know, talking season crap that we all enjoy to do. Uh, So we will do that. We'll hear from Beamer as well. And uh, then the team that will be back at it on Thursday for practice number two. But the interesting thing will be that Wednesday press conference. That will be the coordinators. And this is something that I enjoy this time of the year. It may be the reason I enjoy it a little bit more than maybe, I don't know, some other people is just because when Muschamp was here, we never had a chance to listen to the coordinators unless it was – you know, spring and right before the start of the season. Like, you just – now we're spoiled. Thank God Beamer does it this way. It should be done this way, honestly. But we are able to talk to the coordinators throughout the course of the season. We even get some special teams love in there for Pete Lumbo, who I am very excited to talk to uh, him again. And being able to ask him questions about some of the guys they brought in, like a guy like Nick – Elksness, uh, how much he takes pride in blocking and playing special teams, a guy like Eddie Lewis coming in, the impact he can have as not just a receiver but as a return specialist. There's some talented guys that USC has coming back on their roster that made an impact on special teams, right? Kai Kroger, Kroger, Mitch Jeter coming back, phenomenal year. Uh, Even Hunter Rogers, I mean, the, the impact he was able to have. But to be able to bring in some talented new faces, it's it's one that I'm sure Lembo is all smiles about. So that will be the case on um, Wednesday next week. So, again, Monday, pro timing day at USC. That will be at noon. We'll have highlights from that. We'll hear from players. We'll scatter that, I'm sure, in Gamecock Central from Monday, Tuesday and throughout the rest of the week. On Tuesday, practice number one, 920 in the morning. Unfortunately, closed to the general public. Media will be able to go there for periods one through six. We will have highlights from that. Beamer will speak at 1230 on Tuesday of next week. And then next Wednesday, the coordinators will hold a press conference. Time right now is to be determined. So that's the schedule kind of looking ahead to next week a little bit. Gamecock Ryan, appreciate you listening. Appreciate everyone listening tonight here on this GC Live talking Tuesday nights. Intern Joe, again, off tonight. He's alive. He's not in the closet. We didn't tie him up and throw him in the closet. It's just spring break. Let the boys be boys, right? Let the girls be girls too. Uh, Appreciate everyone tuning in tonight. If you missed any of our program, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can catch this show in its entirety right there. Or if you want to listen to it from a podcast version, head on over. To wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you'll be able to download this episode and listen to it in its entirety. And if you're not a subscriber to Gamecock Central already, I'm telling you right now, as someone that came on down this area, message boards, all that stuff, I was never involved with it. Being able to not just work for it, but being able to follow it the last couple of years, even before I got into GC, but to see it now with the movement over to ON3 and just all the other tools they've been able to add since making the move from rivals to on three now sign up I'm telling you sign up I this isn't just like a salesman pitch take advantage of it spring football there's gonna be a lot of <laughs> stories recruiting insider information West and Chris two of the best in the game when it comes to recruiting so head on over to Gamecock Central take advantage of that can sign up today for just 29.99 through August. Thirty first. Appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Frederick, what's going on? Appreciate you watching tonight. I'm going to go have myself a little bit of a tea, maybe a little rum in there. Honey, I think a high school football coach told me to do that. Hope my mom's not watching. I promise. That's not why the rum was missing. All right, everyone have yourself a good night. We'll do it again next week. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?